I don't generally do commercials, <clears throat> but this morning I want to share with you the experience that I've had in worship to this point. Everything that has happened today has gone hand in glove with what I want to speak about today. The Sunday school class, and if ever there was a relevant Sunday school class, I was in it today and last week. It talks about social justice and our role in that social justice and God's role, his sovereignty in that social justice. And then I come upstairs having my sermon already preached in the Sunday school class. Um, I come upstairs and I am able to participate in the singing of songs that speak to the very issues that we talk about. Blessed assurance. And, and Tim, the pouring out of your heart this morning resonates in each and every one of us. And the frustrations that we have and, and the uncertainties. And so, you know, if... If I could ask anybody to do anything and they would do what I say, I would say invest in one of these Sunday school classes because it's worth your time and you will glean valuable knowledge to navigate this complicated world in which we live. It's really not that complicated, but all the nuances make it complicated. So I just want to start by asking a question. How many of you are worried you know, are you worried about the 30 to 40% increase in your energy cost? Boy, I'm really pouring fuel on the fire this morning, aren't I? You farmers, are you worried about the portion of your crop that's left out in the field getting a bath today? And maybe not be able to run your tires through the field again for another week or two. Are you worried about friends, uh, family, people that we know that are undergoing trials that we are helpless to do anything about? Are we under the pressures of wondering what this country's coming to and where it's going to? And as, as I ponder those things, and as I have been blessed this morning with, with answers to these very critical questions, I want to share with you today the message that God has placed on my heart that uh, he has revealed through his holy word. And we all know from last week what I think about uh, God's word because God is present in his word. And I, I go to Second uh, Peter, the first chapter, and it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God, our Savior, our Lord and Savior, to those who have seen, received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace to you be in abundance through your knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life through the knowledge we have of he who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, we receive the precious promises so that through them, we might participate in his divine nature. Having escaped the corruption of this world caused 
by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus our Lord. If you do not, whoever does not possess them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they were cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to make your calling and election sure. If you do these things, you will not stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into his, the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we think about this passage of scripture in the context in which we live today, we find one word that's used three times and it's called knowledge. Now, the world has many institutions where we can gain knowledge. Whether that does us any good or not is, remains to be seen. But there is valuable knowledge that the world can give us, but there's a knowledge that is essential for us who are looking for eternal life. As Tim said this morning, skipping hell and going to be with Jesus in heaven. What is this knowledge? And, and I think it's important for us to define it because, you know, wisdom and knowledge are pretty, pretty close to the same. Uh, Psalm 111, verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, let's define what wisdom and knowledge are because they are both rooted in the same individual, and that would be the sovereign God, the creator of the universe. Wisdom is knowing that God is in control and that that control encompasses and embraces me. And this, this knowledge can, uh, well, I think the, the writer of John says, per perfect love casts out all fear. And it reminds me of my wife as she sits on the couch and, and you know, in our age, we get a little cold-blooded. And, and so she gets this velour blanket and she wraps up and she's all comfortable. And it just looks so much at peace in that blanket. And, and uh, that's the picture I get of, of the comfort that we can receive through that. And as we think about the, the turmoils and the things that come against us and we, and we think about the knowledge, we know that God's in control and he's got his arms wrapped around us so we can be comfortable and we can be warm and we don't have to be afraid. And I think one of the great things that, that at least uh, attacks my mind is that I am afraid. I'm afraid... It, this happens. And, and have you ever gone through a scenario, I'm afraid this will happen, so I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And pretty soon you've gone down a road that you don't even know where, when you arrive, you never even know how you got there. And it's done you absolutely no good at all. I've been down that road a hundred times. I guess I'm a little slower than most people. Well, we do tend to make the same mistakes over and over. But God has given us his remedy and his purpose through the knowledge that we have. Wisdom is understanding that God is in control. Knowledge is understanding how 
God works. There's only one place that we can learn that understanding of how God works in our day and age, in our lives, our everyday lives as we live today, and that is through reading God's Word. Again, I mean, last week, God is present in His Word. He reveals His Word. And you know, when we get out there, we feel that that maybe God is not with us, that maybe He's abandoned us. My go-to scripture in that case is John 3.16. I know that most of us don't know that passage of scripture. We all know it, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And man, that song, that second song that we sang, grips us in the midst of, I'm a part of that world. I'm what he loved in this world. He gave his only begotten son and then we shared in the communion celebration that reminds us that God's got our back. He has not only got our back, he is the firm foundation on which we stand. And all other ground, as the great song uh, uh, hymn says, all other ground is sinking sand. The world will not get it right. We used a passage in Romans this morning. It talks about the creation, and it talks about those who suppress the truth of God by their lifestyle. It's important for Christians to live and to understand the lifestyle that they're going to to live. It's important because if we live a lifestyle claiming to be a Christian that doubts God's presence in our life, doubts God's victory in our life, that doesn't reflect God's goodness in our life, then we are suppressing the truth of who God is, the wisdom of the world and the knowledge of how it works. In the multiple, uh, in the billions of people that live on this planet Earth, do we really believe that God sees me? In the application of the scripture, the powerful scriptures of the promises of God, do we believe that they apply to us? And I think that's where I fall short many times. That those scriptures might apply to somebody else, and I believe that God can do them, but I know me too well that God wouldn't do that for me. But that is not, that is not what I hear the scriptures saying. We see all kinds of injustices in our world every day all around us that are hurting our people. And as we, as we look at leadership throughout the world, you know, in the scriptures it says anyone that says there is no God, he defines them as a fool. A fool. Now, isn't that one of the most obvious statements that we can have? We talked about in in Sunday school class this morning that if we look at this creation and we begin to get an inkling of how things are fit together, that it would be crazy to say that there isn't a God. You know, as I drove over here this morning, the trees are beginning to turn. Now, I've seen some beautiful pictures by artists of people who have painted a fall scene but I haven't found one yet that can duplicate the reality that God does over and over and over every fall and the beauty of it. It's magnificent. 
And if God can paint that tapestry for us, I mean, don't we take pleasure in that? I do. And the, to understand that everything that God has done in, in the form of creation, in the acts of creation, were for our benefit. And if God has gone to the extent where he has painted tree leaves, where he has made beautiful green grass for pastures and, and for beautiful lawns, and he's made beautiful flowers for us to enjoy and to, and to invest our hands into, and if he has made and provided food that comes from this earth for each one of us, would it be hard to say that we did this on our own? The dividing line of, in my mind, of the world versus God is that when man takes on the role that God has already completed and take ownership of it and say they can either destroy it or save it, we have become God, haven't we, in our own minds. But the reality of it is, is that we will never be God. We will never make a sun rise. We will never see a full moon or make a full moon. We will never do the things that God has done. And the Bible tells us that all these things are held together by his mighty power. What is science? Where does it come from? Wasn't it established in creation of how things are always going to be? Gravity isn't a new discovery, is it? We we credit Isaac Newton for discovering the law of gravity. Well, I'm going to tell you what, it was in place long before that. I think Adam and Eve knew it because it says the fall of man. The gravity pulls us downward. All the things that God has created is for our benefit. And I want to suggest that in God's creation, it is perfect. And perfect defined is that it accomplishes God's purpose. It is a reflection of who he is, and it is beneficial for man. And then man comes on the scene, and we all are here, we all are faced with the realities of a world in which we live, a broken world in which we live. And it is up to us, the light of the world, to shine forth the godliness that is so absent in so many places in our world. And the place that the light should shine the brightest is in the very body of Jesus Christ because we have the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The knowledge. And if we apply that knowledge correctly, we become righteous that translates into a faith that is so precious. It was precious like it was to the apostles, and it projects us into a kingdom, trusting God for things we cannot see in our world. Can, is God going to be with us through the trials and tribulations that are obviously approaching this nation in which we live? Well, I look at, at Noah. One righteous man, and I don't know if his wife and, and his sons and uh, daughters-in-law were righteous or not. The Bible only says that uh, Noah was righteous, found favor in the eyes of the Lord, and I, they were blessed because of, of Noah, is, is what I believe. 
But he saved them out of all the people in the world. I think God saw Noah. And so as we think of of, uh, even more recent than that, we see David and Goliath. David went down without a sword in his hand. And and the the, um, description of that battle is that even without a sword in his hand. So the battle belonged to the Lord. And David said, so that all Israel know that that God doesn't uh, fight the battle by swords and spears. But the battle belongs to the Lord. It's God's victory. Do we allow God to be our warrior in the challenges that we face in life, in the challenges that we see in our world, in the conflicts of, of our mind and our intellect and our spirituality? Do we see God as our warrior? Do we see God in the midst of our relationships? Without a sword in our hand, sometimes we slay our neighbors. Sometimes we slay those who we do not agree with. Without a sword in our hand, do we have God present in our relationships? How do we become successful in this? God gives us that formula. Did you catch it this morning? The foundation is faith. Believing that God is who he says he is. Believing that God will do what he says he will do. Believing that God is present in your life and that he is your defender. And by defender, do not mistake that this may not require our very life. But what he is giving us is a formula to be successful through life. To your faith, to your faith, add goodness. Ever encountered anybody in in the church relationship that you just really didn't want to be around much because they weren't very good, weren't very nice, always angry, they're always trying to hurt somebody, always trying to reach out to hurt them? Add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, and that's the understanding of how this world works. Understand that it's evil. And that for the most part, we are not going to subvert that evil. We're not going to stop that evil. In fact, it's prophesied in the, in the New Testament scriptures that in the last days, scoffers will come, haters of God and lovers of themselves. And they're going to do all kinds of evil things. We are not going to stamp out evil in our lifetime. It will be a part of our life for as long as we visit planet Earth. So if we have the knowledge to understand that, we have the ability to navigate it. And to, and to knowledge, we, we add other things that, that come on down the line. We, uh, I forget what, the, what it is. Um, self-control, that's right. Boy, my wife says I'm out of control. <laughs> and sometimes I am because I forget. That everything is just as it should be. Now, it's hard to believe that everything's just as it should be when you stub your toe on the coffee table. And uh, you're trying to rename that thing and, and uh, trying to soothe your poor broken toe. And, and, but self-control. You know, there's times I would like to interject my wisdom into a conversation that would do absolutely no good at all. And I believe that that's where God is doing his best work in me right now is self-control. 
not uh, just doing what comes into my mind. And as we go down that list, it is the formula that God has given us because he says at the conclusion of the formula, this will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus, our Lord. If we need to be one thing, we need to be effective and productive. And Jesus is the source of that effectiveness and that productivity. And as we, as, we, as we see that played out in our church, in our life, we see that God, through Jesus Christ, has an attitude about all of humanity that is a redeeming quality. Do we have that view of a redeeming quality towards those around us, whether we like them or dislike them, whether we agree with them or disagree with them, do we have that redeeming attitude in our hearts, in our lives? Because if we don't, we suppress the truth of who God is. And then we receive a promise. A promise. Do we believe the promise that we can in this life participate in a divine nature that is holy, that is pure, that is perfect, that can reach into our hearts and souls and grab us and keep us? Do we believe that we can be that kind of a person the challenge to that would be I look in the mirror every day and see how many times I've failed and I don't think that applies to me because that's not who I am. But God defines us in a broader and larger sense because he defines us through Jesus Christ. And if we don't have that knowledge of Jesus Christ, then we are defeated because that self-loathing, that self-condemning will cause us to lose heart and to stumble. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to make the calling to the glory and the goodness of Jesus Christ by his eternal life, the resurrection to life, make it secure. Because if you do, here's a promise, you will never stumble. I can't imagine... I can't imagine what that life is like unless I can do it through Jesus Christ because I can't get it done. But God can. And then here's the trump card that Jesus lays on the world, on all of our imperfections, on all of, all of the dysfunction in the world. For those who believe in him, we will receive a rich welcome not just glad you're here. Thanksgiving welcome when the, when the cousins and the family are coming to your house and you're going to have this big celebration. The hugs, the kisses, the, the, oh, the great feeling of being here together. A rich re- welcome into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. Our Lord, folks, we got to make it to the end. No matter what it costs us, no matter what it looks, uh, looks like, we have to make it to the end.
in faithfulness, in trusting God. That's why the knowledge of how things work, how God has designed them, is so important in our life. Because without that knowledge, we will not be able to make the journey. We'll fall far short. But if we understand in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, that God is working his greatness, his good, his promises, and his rewards in our life, then we have the courage and the strength to make it to that end. Will you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you today and your words. And I know my inabilities to put thoughts and things together um, in the fullness of and the richness of how you've given them to us. But Father, the glimpses that we can see of, of your mighty hand, uh, that divine power, that eternal power that you've given to each one of us through Jesus Christ, help us to hang on to that. Help us to share that. Help us to live it so that the world that we're living in can have a little bit of joy and a little bit of cheer and a little bit of brightness. But Father, most of all, I just want to thank you because you have given it to all of us. Your goodness and your grace and your power have provided for us salvation. Thank you so much in Jesus' name.